The following podcast contains spoilers for The King. You have been warned. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, I wonder how many people think the actual title of the podcast is KFR News Radio. I know, it just, it just, it's got a nice <laughs> ring to it when I'm going off it, the bat. It really does, it really does. How you doing? I'm feeling fine, I'm feeling, feeling great. Fine. We are in uh, week one million of, of this pandemic, Oh yeah. Uh, and I expect some big things from you. As far as movies go, in what you've watched in the past week, that isn't the film we are going to review today. That was probably the junkiest way I could have phrased that. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying. What movies you Glenn, watch? I expect you to watch movies. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, believe it or not, I did not watch any movies except for three. Three of them, including the one we were watching. Mm. I almost had you on the tip of your toes there, didn't I? Did, oh my, I my, my toes. I was like a little ballerina. And I watched a show. And I finished the show that I was watching last week. So I did a lot this week, actually. Cool, cool. Uh, so the show that I finished was that anime show, you know, for the weeb mm-hmm, in me. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yu Yu Hawk show was a fantastic show, and I mm-hmm. honestly don't think the weeb community talks about it enough. I only uh, consider that the show that got in the way of you watching your next show earlier. <laughs> well, yes, it did, because it had over like 130 <laughs> episodes that I had to crank through. Uh, the next show was obviously Deb, or Deb. I almost said Deb. Deb. <laughs> hey, Deb. Debs. Debs. Devs with uh, Nick Offerman and a bunch of other people in it. Which was uh, my plug for last week for which, those of you in the loop. Which it was. And thank God you did make me watch that because, oh, sweet God. Was sweet it good? Baby Jesus. Sweet God. He, I, I love that show so much. Yeah, he, uh, man, that show is so good. And he had written and directed every episode, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's I, I feel like he kind of just. He, he the way i imagine this happening i have no facts to back this up but that like from a writer filmmaker standpoint this is how i think it happened he started writing a script for his next film mm-hmm. realized it was going to take a shit ton of hours to to tell the whole story yeah and said you know what miniseries bitch here we go i'm down let's do this nick offerman what up that's exactly how that conversation went that's what what he I mean, said going to the pitch pitch room and it worked out like definitely in its favor definitely I mean, like i wasn't honestly i wasn't expecting much because it was an fx show yeah but it didn't feel like an fx show at all no it felt like an hbo show it did really. it re- what am i doing it did it <laughs> yeah did. it did <laughs> it did uh it devs uh, but yeah I, re- I really like it i think nick Offerman's great in it mm-hmm. um, but yeah what, what else you watch um i watched three movies including the king uh the first one that i watched was captain fantastic with a uh, vigo mortensen Ah, I saw that one. It was in theaters, and I own it on Blu-ray. Uh, I, f- I loved this movie. It's a great fucking movie, and I feel like not enough people talk about it. Like, I wasn't expecting much because of the like the movie poster. I was just like, okay, well. It's... Yeah, it's got your standard like indie indie film poster, yeah. like just a family standing in a way that no one ever stands. Yeah, um, and then uh, you know, I was just like, okay, well, I'll watch it eventually, and then yeah. 
because everybody said it was good, but I was just like, oh, I'll get there. And I actually loved it. Like, yeah. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I watched was 28 Days Later. Uh, Danny Boyle directed. And, Is that uh, your first time? I, I had watched parts of it before. I don't okay. think I've watched the full thing. I definitely remember more of 28 Weeks Later than I do 28 Days Later. Yeah, I'm surprised um, I never mentioned that one to you. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, I think I, I thought it was too mainstream to suggest at that at the time um, we, I was suggesting all those movies to you. I'm assuming the movie's budget wasn't that great because the cinematography wasn't. No, it uh, was it was real a real low budget. Like okay. the uh, opening scene when he's wandering around London, mm-hmm. they had permits for it, but instead of like shutting it down for an entire day, yeah. they got there at like five or six a.m. had like production assistants hold traffic while they shot that scene jeez and like that's that's bare bones if i've ever heard of it <laughs> it worked yeah like it, it was a great movie like uh yeah. but i mean it's i don't think it was anything that i'd boast about besides being a good movie mm-hmm. now i want to watch uh 28 weeks later because i kind now that i've refresh my mind on this i want to refresh my mind on yeah that i feel like 28 weeks later gets a bad rap it's not as good in my opinion as 28 days later yeah obviously the quality's higher because they had a bigger budget and honestly has one of the most intense opening sequences of any horror movie i've ever seen oh for real when he's yeah. running towards the chi- uh the canal from the zombies 28 days later was good <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I saw seven movies, including The King. You know, I didn't have a super long TV show to watch, uh, yeah, but lucky. I did. I did still watch TV shows, so I just had my TV on pretty much all week. Um, the first, first, I'll talk about the the show I want to talk about. Um, there's two shows that I watched. One will be my plug later. Uh, well, I watched three shows. One is fine. It's whatever. Kim's Convenience, it's fun, it's a good good show, but, you know, but then I uh, watched this food show called Ugly Delicious, uh, it's on Netflix, and it's this chef who goes around, and it's, it's this really, like, cool look into what food means for different cultures, like, yeah. each episode is, like, assigned a type of food, like, the first episode's pizza, second episode food is tacos, and, like, how it evolved, and, and it's, it's such, like, a for lack of a better word, a delicate show. It, it, you know, it's, it makes me want to become a chef. <laughs> what's really funny about that show is whenever I go to the dentist, like I always watch like, like food making shows, like, mm-hmm. like, and like the one time I went to the dentist, they're like, "Is there anything you want to watch?" I'm like, hey, "Just put on anything like food related," because I usually go from the dentist straight to like a restaurant and ruin oh, yeah. everything they just did. Yeah, who doesn't do that? <laughs> um, and they're like, "Are you are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, I eat this shit up. I love this stuff." Yeah. And, like, they had put that on, so I had watched a little bit of it for, like, probably an hour. Yeah, it's a good show. It I, is a good I, show. I really like it. Um, yeah. I, I, the thing I like about it is that, like, their film, their film, their food snobs, but they also defend the cheaper shit. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a segment in the pizza episode where he's defending Domino's. He was like, yes, it's not artisan pizza, but if this is what you grew up on and it's all you have around you, yeah. fuck it. Like, whatever. It's great. And I, I really like that because you don't really see that in, in a lot of food shows. They're just like, oh, this is terrible. Blah. Um, <laughs> Blah. Uh, for the movies, I watched a Korean movie, uh, which is about the uh, uprising before they had their civil war, I believe, or it was like during their civil war. 
mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of like a spy type movie. Uh, it's called The Age of Shadows, directed by Kim Ji Woon or Ji uh, Woon Kim, as they would say in America because they're stupid. So <laughs> Kim Ji Woon is the correct way. Uh, and it's got his name is escaping me, and I hate it. But it's got the the guy who plays the dad in Parasite. And also the guy who plays the dad in Train to Busan. So there's a bunch of dads in this. It's a really good, uh, you know, espionage movie. I highly suggest it. I, say, I love those guys. Those two were great in the films yeah. they were respectively then, in. Then I saw the movie that I can only describe as an Irish Western uh, that takes place during the potato famine. Uh, now, mind you, it is not exactly like an American Western, but it has a lot of Western feel to it. Yeah. Uh, it's called Black 47. It's got Hugo Weaving, uh, James Frischville, uh, Stephen Ree, Barry Keoghan, Keoghan, Keoghan. Yeah, everyone knows his face. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it's about this. This <laughs> They do know his face. He's in Killing of the Sacred Deer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Dunkirk. But yeah, it's about this uh, this guy who kind of realizes he's fighting for the enemy and leaves uh, the army to go back to be with his family in Ireland during the potato famine, realizes how shit everything is, and kind of goes on like this long quest for revenge. And yeah, it, it really feels like a Western, but it's, it's really well made. Uh, I've never seen a movie made about the potato famine before, and it is dope. Uh, highly suggest people check that out if they can. Okay. Um, then I saw a documentary about uh, Galaxy Quest called Never Surrender. If you like the movie Galaxy Quest, you will like that movie. Uh, I just see right now someone put an angry face in my poster for that. I don't know why. Why? I'll have to pick that up with them later because they can go kick rocks if they don't like Galaxy Quest. What, on Facebook? Yeah, on Facebook. Those bastards. Yeah, if you don't like Galaxy Quest, that's fine. I get that, but you're wrong and I hate you. So uh, It's a good movie. Yeah. (laughs) Then I saw a movie... Uh, called uh, a Netflix movie called In the Shadow of the Moon. Uh, it is the most Philly movie I've ever seen, and I'm talking like more <laughs> more Philly than like Invincible, more Philly than than any other movie, more Philly than Rocky in my mind. Oh wow! Because like Rocky embodies Philly, but In the Shadow of the Moon is Moon is Philly. They take their time. Michael C. Hall has a fucking Philadelphia accent, which no one ever has. They always just make it a New York accent. He hit, dude fucking did a Philadelphia accent. He said water. Oh, shit. He said water, Glenn. I cannot stress this enough. You know what's really been funny? Because I, I have uh, a bunch of British kids in my like my Twitch streams. Mm-hmm. Water. And it's Wah. like, uh, it's, it's, well, you guys say water, and we say water. <laughs> I say, I say, my mom's from Southern California, so I say water. Oh, I, I can't stand water. I, I don't mind I, it. I it's, say water. But... It is what it is. I, I think it's funny. Yeah. But they show fucking Wawa everywhere. I Every single street they named, <laughs> I looked it up, and it is a street in Philadelphia. Oh, my God. The the guy's wife has a Potsdown, Pennsylvania t-shirt. Like, Jesus. <laughs> they said King of Prussia correctly. I don't believe it. They said twice. Not one character. Two characters said King of Prussia. Back to back. Fucking Jennifer Lawrence in the scene with Bradley Cooper couldn't do that shit. She said King of (laughs) Prussia. That was an argument we had, too, about that They say King of Prussia, damn it. Like, the care to make (laughs) this feel like Philly. 
My God, I have never seen a, fil- a film filmed in Toronto, well, also Philly, but mostly Toronto, feel like a Philly movie. <laughs> goddamn, if you fucking love Philadelphia like I do, watch this goddamn movie and see <laughs> Michael C. Hall say Wooder and, and Boyd Hallbrook say King of Prussia. <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus! Send me redemption. It's great. Um, All that's missing is gritty in the background. <laughs> well, it's 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 a time travel movie. Yeah. So it's kinda, but it's it's a uh, you know the movie itself is pretty good. <laughs> if you're not a if you're not from Philly, you probably won't appreciate it as much because it doesn't feel like they just did New York Junior. Yeah. Um, because that's really what a lot of movies do. They do New York Junior for whenever they're doing Philly. This fucking felt like Philly. The director is from Pottstown, actually, Jim Mickle. Mm-hmm. So like it it makes sense why that happened, but it like God it, I I felt at home when when watching it even though there's <laughs> like home <laughs> even though there's like, like time travel and shit going on but yeah <laughs> it's a good movie check it out uh in the shadow of the moon directed by uh Jim Mickles starring Boyd Hallbrook Cleopatra Coleman and Michael C Hall moving on <laughs> sorry I got I got really I did not mean to last that long on no, that it's, that it's was, fun. <laughs> I got really pumped up talking about it. A little bit of a Philly boner going on. We get it. We good. (laughs) They do need to remake it with Gritty, though. Oh, my Um, goodness. Then I saw a documentary about this group that travels uh, to Antarctica on, like, a little sailboat, like a crew of, like, 16 people going to Antarctica um, with a boat that was essentially made by hand. Uh, It's called Sea of Gypsies, The Far Side of the World. It is a... Very short documentary, only an hour or fifteen minutes long. Um, but it was pretty cool, you know. They they uh, did a good job at, at showing what it would be, what it's like there. They I appreciate that it was short because it could have definitely overstayed its welcome if it was any longer. But it's a good good little documentary that's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, then I saw the Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. Uh, just one late night, I felt like watching a Tom Hanks comedy from the '80s, so I did. Um, that's the money pit. It's it's fun. It had a lot of good, yeah, had a lot of good gags in it. Um, but yeah, that's it. Okay. (laughs) I really did not mean to talk that long about in the shadow of the moon. Listen, when there's passion, there's passion, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't really have much, uh, movie news to talk about. I just had one quick thing to talk about, you know, with this coronavirus COVID-19 still going on, everything's the same. Everything's getting pushed back. Um, but I wanted to talk about one article I saw. Granted, this does not mean that it won't be pushed back, but it just says movie, uh, the film Tenet stands its ground. And so that means that it's it's doing what it can to not be pushed back. It's op- being optimistic. I really don't think that things will stay closed until July. So the fact that like all these movies that are being released in July are pushing back is a little ridiculous. Yeah, so like I, th- I think we'll be fine by July. Yeah, but... so I'm really glad that Christopher Nolan is stubborn as shit. But at the the rate that all these people are doing protests, which just happened it's fucking yesterday, idiots. It's just... fucking idiots. Honestly, <laughs> how like... do you spell moronic? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do know, but like, I I don't know. I don't know what's in their mind. I know how to spell moronic. Yeah, they're just so fucking stupid. But yeah, Tenet is standing its ground, so I'm happy. That, about that's that. good because I would love to just come back to work and yeah. just be like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go see Tenet now. Yeah, I'm gonna see Tenet. I'm gonna see that shit in IMAX. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see it again in 4DX. You think we're not gonna shit's... see it together in IMAX? Oh, we're gonna long? see that together. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that shit. 
So uh, I guess yeah, we have nothing else to do but 16 yeah, minutes later start. <laughs> that's good because there was no other movie news other than, hey, things are getting pushed back. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, let's, let's, let's move on to Netflix's uh, pick. The King. A king has no friends. Only followers. And foe. A new chapter of my life has begun. As prince, I spent my days drinking, clowning. Now I find myself the king. Choose your steps wisely, dear brother. They have their own kingdoms behind their eyes. I need men around me I can trust. You are my friend. I will come with you. Now you will be watched over by an altogether different king. France is taunting us. They were my father's enemies, not mine. The screams of your men shall lull me to sleep at night. Topple this King Henry V of England you so underestimate. How? Wayward prince and heir to the English throne is crowned King Henry V after his tyrannical father dies. Now the young king must navigate palace politics, the war his father left behind, and an emotional strings of his past life. That synopsis is ridiculous. It really is. It's so much. It really, uh, one thing that I found out is that it's based on the uh, Henry trilogy that mm. Shakespeare wrote, Henry the Fourth, Part One, Henry the Fourth, Part Two, and Henry the Fifth. Um, it is directed by David Michaud, written by David Michaud and Joel Edgerton. Um, what it doesn't say there is also inspired by uh, Shakespeare's Henry trilogy. Mm -hmm. Uh and the only reason I know that is because the character that Joel Edgerton plays, uh, was it Sir John Falstaff, I believe it is? Mm -hmm. He is not a real person. Everyone else is pretty much a real person, but Sir John Falstaff is a character from Shakespeare's plays. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's that. It is starring Timothy Chalamet, uh, Joel Edgerton, Ben Mendelsohn, uh... John Harris. I'm just it's not in order of Robert Pattinson. So Robert Pattinson, Tom Glenn Carney. It's got a whole bunch of faces. Uh Thomas and McKenzie and uh, Lily, Lily Deb Rose. Yep. Uh that just make you go, hey, it's that person. Um so that is the king. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. You're just like, Oh, hey, it's that person. Yeah. Well, okay, it's that person. Caitlin did that quite a bit and she's like, Hey, it's that person. I'm like, Yep, that's that person. And the ones that I knew what the names was, I told her the names. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, uh, th this is kind of, you, you kind of, you mentioned real quick, um, Outlaw King, that part was cut out probably on the <laughs> podcast, but you did mention Outlaw King, and I thought it was only fitting that our, our very first review was about Outlaw King, and our 50th review was about The King, yeah, Henry V, so it kind of comes full circle. It's, it's like Netflix roulette decided, you know what? You know what? We're going to do this for you guys. Yes, it took three tries, but, you know, it got there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, it's also also just, you know, fitting that we even compare The King and Outlaw King because they're both Netflix adaptations. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and The they, King. <laughs> yeah. 
they do kind of take I don't think they take place around the same time. I think Outlaw Kings like in the 11 11th century or 12th century or something. Mm-hmm. This is like the 15th or 16th century. Um but it is it just goes to show you that shit does not get fixed cuz they're still fighting Scotland in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, they should probably look into letting Scotland just go. <laughs> you Let leave, them go. leave them alone. <laughs> leave them alone. Leave them alone. <laughs> so what do you think of this film all right so this was the third movie that i watched yesterday um i took a break from streaming 34 days in a row and finally just was like you know what i'm gonna gonna watch some movies so i watched this last out of my three i really enjoyed it i felt it kind of hard not to like compare it to outlaw king yeah i was just like i don't know which one i like more to be honest with you and like do i not like it because they feel kind of the same but they're both different stories in their own rights it's so mm-hmm. it's so weird and the acting in this is so good from literally everybody i think my favorite honestly was robert pattinson oh yeah he, he was great it's just so mischievous i think it, caitlin actually pointed this out it's funny how robert pattinson is english playing a frenchman yeah and uh timothy chalamet while american his his heritage is french yeah and he he speaks french fluently and he's playing an englishman mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's you know it's just a little little fun it's a little flip-flop there. it's kind of um, kind of funny yeah like it is really impossible for us just because of you know what this podcast is for us to not compare it to outlaw king uh i did try to watch it with different eyes but there yeah. is like a lot of stuff that's similar there's the fighting in the mud there's mm-hmm. uh you know both have beautiful cinematography both are about old english battles um that you know battle strategy didn't change for so long and really didn't until world war one with the exception of the addition of guns and everything uh, but you know everyone just lined up and and charged at each other but i think the way i kind of compare it is I would say Outlaw King is a better action film and The King is a better dramatic film. Because other than like the 10-15 minute battle at the very end, there are no real battles. You know, Timothy Chalamet's character, uh, Henry V, always stops the battle for like a one-on-one duel Mm -hmm. uh, instead. And even... even the, The thing I liked most about this is that it's a a war movie with a person who I believe I don't quote me on this. Cause I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe he became like very tyrannical. Yeah. But like starting off as like wanting to be peaceful and, and listen to people and, and being against war to it's kinda... more, yeah, it's more of a political drama than yeah actual yeah. and, and shows this person who maybe naively for back then I do personally think we're in a ideally a better place than they were back then you know evolutionary wise and and you know communication wise where he he wanted to talk first and and didn't want to fight and then he just sees all this shit happen and all these people like unwilling to just let him do things his way yeah and kind of gives into them and he really has this great arc where he becomes more cynical, like less naive and more cynical. And then just kind of becomes his father in a way that he didn't want to be, but also staying 
in a way true to himself, at least as far as it goes with his his wife. Um, well, fiance. I don't. They don't actually get married in the film, but yeah, they, they do in history. I was gonna um, say it's suggested that they. Yeah, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah, and, and I I really like that. Like it's 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 so. You see so many movies about like medieval kings who are just unwilling to listen to people, and that mm-hmm. was his whole shtick was just trying to listen to people. Yeah, but no one else wanted to listen, and no one else wanted to talk, so he kind of just gave into it. Yeah, because he was um, trying to prove that he wasn't his father this whole time. Yeah, and then and he he let himself get tricked into becoming his father in a way. Yeah, and. In in the end, when he finds that he was tricked, he does stand up for himself, which I really liked because it shows that there's still a glimmer of who he was in there, but you know nothing will will be the same. Yeah, it uh really sucks. That's why, why I've never liked politics that much because there's always going to be someone, and I'm not uh, not the not trying to spoil it, but there's always somebody out there with their own political gain that yeah. will ruin it for somebody else. Or ruin it for everyone. Or everyone else, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this film... The, my favorite part of this was probably the music and the cinematography. Oh, yeah. And the sound design. Um, I know I'm a broken record right now, but I'm so glad I have surround sound in this time. <laughs> and this this wonderful time where we, ha- we have so little to look forward to. <laughs> hey, man. Um, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But it it's got beautiful cinematography. It it's every character is great. I I loved uh, Joel Edgerton's character, especially in the first scene when Robert Pattinson's introduced and he's like kind of taunting him, saying, "You will surrender. You will hear your your women." Yeah, and he cry. just yawns in the and middle he of just his yawns, monologue. Yeah, and and really irks him. And I thought that was so fucking funny. Like so many times, people would writers because it's so tempting to just try to think of a really badass line but what is more badass than someone threatening you and you yawning in their fucking face (laughs) that is like i i did not think anything could be more badass than just like a mic drop line but i was wrong yawning is the hal character was just standing there taking it all as robert pattinson was giving it and then uh just over to the side you know joel edgerton just lets out a huge yawn oh yeah He's like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I see a lot of complaints about this movie that it's slow, which I get because I could see it being advertised as like an action medieval war movie. Yeah. But it is really more, like you said, more like a, a political drama. And I honestly think that that is uh, something that is overlooked. Is Everyone thinks that it was just kings fighting, which in a way it was, but there was a lot of political. Yeah. There was all the in between. Find it, yeah. Um, but, but even at the end of the movie, when it was just the actual war going on, I, I think it was really well done, regardless. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, the the thing that I would think I would think my biggest complaint, if I had to say it, was the entire time you you think it's going to be like that one bishop who's really pushing to to attack France. Mm-hmm. It's going to be him that kind of backstabbed him and in the end it ends up being sean harris's character who's kind of like timothy chalamet's uh advisor yeah uh, the king's advisor and i may have missed something but in in what i remember 
that wasn't hinted at at all. And in my mind, a good twist is something that is kind of hinted. Yeah, I don't remember anything about even the slightest thought that he'd backstab in any way. Just that he was very helpful this whole time to him yeah but yeah. In, then in the end you just find out that he was in it for his own gain yeah so, so like th- that really kind of robbed us and i this this might have been history i don't know enough about the history especially because this is also loosely based on a a uh play yeah that does have fiction uh, fictional elements to it um so i don't know if this is history or not, but it would have been more rewarding if the quote unquote twist was that this Bishop who we suspected all along did it. I know he's the red herring in this where like he's, he's made to make you look away from someone else, but in a good red herring twist, there are some elements that make you question the person who it actually is. Yeah. Um, an example of this that I, I could think, is the movie Now You See Me, where, you know, there's these these magician heist robber people, and there's this FBI agent chasing them the whole time, and you're trying to figure out who the, the, the spy is or who's helping them that you don't really see, and then at the end, it is the FBI agent that was chasing them the whole time. Everyone thought that that was such a great twist, but it doesn't make any fucking sense. It literally could not be the FBI agent, which is why no one saw it coming, because yeah. it could not be him, and that's that's not nearly this is not nearly as bad as that but i kind of thought of that where it's just like you don't show us any way that it could be this guy yeah it's just Um, him in the end yeah it's just him in the end and just because i fucking hate that movie and all the the praise it gets for having a shitty fucking twist it it could not happen and now you see me i'm sorry mark Mark ruffalo you could not have been (laughs) on their side the whole time because it's just not possible it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think I have too many complaints. I mean, I don't like to try to compare the two movies, but that was really my only complaint: is that you can kind of compare the two movies, Outlaw King and this. Yeah, and I think that's more just because we've seen both. Um, yeah. And it's. But they are also two entirely different movies. So. Well, somewhat. The, the yeah. plot's kind of there, but they're kind of two different movies altogether. Yeah. I think the best way to is to, to look at Outlaw King as an action movie and this as a political drama. Yeah. Um, that does have some action in it, but it's mostly, you know, people talking, which is really interesting, but just no going into it that that's what it's going to be. And yeah, I, I also had... It was a nice surprise to see Joel Edgerton help, like, write this. Like, he was a he was also one of the writers. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I think you obviously said it last week, but I just wasn't paying attention, I guess. I was like, oh, gee, you also wrote this? I love it. Joel Edgerton. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a really well-made movie, and I, I, I do suggest it. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, yeah, at the end of the day, it all comes down to... The human race is really fucked up towards horses. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Every time I see that, and in Braveheart and stuff like that, it's just like, why'd you do that to the horses? Like, what did what did we ever, like, do to deserve horses? Like, I know back then they didn't have but cars, also but like... Hate the- why do we hate them so you much? You guys are like a thousand feet from each other. You can't just like walk towards each other that you did anyway. You had to charge on horses and have those <laughs> horses killed. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't even like horses, but like I don't want them hurt. So. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's it's like I saw a meme that was like, 
You know, there's only like one type of animal that would like really deserves to fucking kill us all. <laughs> Horses. <laughs> Horses, yeah. Uh, anything else to say? No, that's that's about it. Let's move on to the judgment. As always, it needs to be unanimous decision whether or not the king, I forgot what movie <laughs> we were talking about, makes it onto the KFR shelf and becomes a glorified shelf boy. Glenjamin Button, just because I don't want to go first. That's you right. go first. Always, always throw your problems on me. I see how exactly. it is, my friend. Exactly. Um, like I said, I didn't have any complaints with this. I thought the acting was great. Robert Pattinson is probably my favorite so far, just how mischievous he was as a little French a French little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was great in this movie. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, is that, if that's how you pronounce his last name. Joel as Edgerton. far as I know, that is, yes. Um, I mean, even the plot. Like, like, we've seen it before, but the political genre or political drama genre of it made it different compared to a lot of other ones so Mm -hmm. i think i'm going to have to make a shelf boy yeah uh yeah everything you just said great production design acting all that writing is great uh my nitpicks of it are very small Mm -hmm. in comparison uh and you know if we're gonna put outlaw king on the shelf boy this is not saying that this is better than outlaw king yeah but i mean they're both kind of like on par with each other yeah they're just different genre they're they're different genres with a lot of similarities uh so i would say yes this does go on the shelf as well because it is a solid movie and i Mm. i i would suggest this to people uh if they're in the mood for this kind of thing um so the king does make it onto the shelf and it is a golden little shelf boy It's a golden little shelf boy. Golden little shelf boy. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> so unfortunately, we break our own rule here. And uh, The King was made in 2019, which was not even a complete year ago. Um, so The King cannot be a shelf boy, but eventually it will be a shelf boy. So disregard everything we say. Go see The King. It's just a recommendation at this point. <laughs> that brings us to the plugs for next week. Uh, just to save Glenn some pain, I will go first with these plugs. Um, like last week... My plug for this week is a TV show, or a streaming show. I don't even know if you can call them TV shows anymore, but uh, it is TV on, series. Whatever. It is on Amazon Prime, and it is an anthology sci-fi show called Tales from the Loop. someone says something's impossible, I prove it's possible. Not everything in life makes sense. Uh, It is about this small town. Like, it's a bunch of different stories from this small town where this kind of tech machine is built and, and operated. And it's a bunch of little, like... Little little guy story boys. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but it's little it's, guy story boys yeah. coming at you. But it's it's got a lot of good actors in it, and it's it's uh, the IMDb synopsis is the townspeople who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, experience things previously consigned to the realm of science fiction. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good show that uses science fiction to it's kind of tell human stories. It's kind of like uh I would say like the Twilight Zone, but more focused. Yeah. If you will. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's really good. Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. All right. So you've got Tales from the Loop on Amazon. I'm going to YouTube for mine. Mm. And mine is going to be from a channel called Hyperdrive. It's uh, kind of like a nice, nice little movie uh, page on YouTube where... They recommend different things, but my specific one is going to be Nicolas Cage dies a lot. And it's literally all of Nicolas Cage's death scenes, which I just found out he's died more on screen than Sean Bean has altogether. Which Sh- Sean Bean hasn't died that much on screen. He's just He's died 23 times compared to Nicolas Cage's 30. Yeah. Well, I mean 23 is a lot, I guess. Yeah. But you know, I think it's more so that Nick uh Sean Bean's deaths are more memorable. Oh yeah. Cuz he gets fucking brutalized a lot. Oh yeah. Um, where Nick Cage, I feel like, dies pretty quickly. He either just... dies a lot getting shot, killing or himself, sex or drinking. having sex dying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be right. Nick Cage dies a lot. It literally shows all of his death scenes. They kind of blur it out, obviously, yeah. for YouTube reasons. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Open my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I thought it was really good. And yeah. if you like his uh, his channel, he's got not that many people on it, so you can check out his other stuff too. <laughs> so Nick Cage dies a lot on YouTube, uh, and Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. Those are your plugs for this week. Uh, I highly suggest everyone that can check those out. Uh, so my pick. For next week's movie, because it is my turn, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to think, Glenn, I was thinking, how can we expand our audience and, and, and oh, get You're going to watch listeners? some anime, huh? <laughs> uh, no, actually. <laughs> Hell no. Um, fuck off. Uh, but, you know, a good way to expand audience, and a lot of Hollywood movies do this, is make it available for chinese audiences Mm. so we're gonna watch a chinese movie and i didn't stop there glenn okay i was thinking you know it's been a while since we reviewed a movie we both have seen and just kind of revisit yeah so i wanted to do that again i wanted to revisit a chinese movie that we have both seen at least i'm pretty sure you've seen it i know i've seen this one of my favorite movies in the world yeah i think i know what you're going for here but so i'm gonna go with kung fu hustle <laughs> I am happy with this. <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, it is directed by Stephen Chow, written by Stephen Chow, Kang Chung Sang, Sing Hyo, Man Kuang Chan. Uh, I apologize to anyone who I just mispronounced your name, like you're going to be listening. But you know what? If you do, <laughs> I hope I did justice by it. Uh, it is starring Stephen Chow, Xiao Kang Fen. Hwai Yong and Xi Hua Dong and a lot more people, but I think I've butchered the names enough today. And 
Kung Fu Hustle is about. In Shanghai, China, in the 1940s, a wannabe gangster aspires to join the notorious Axe Gang while residents of a housing complex exhibit extraordinary powers in defending their turf. Uh, again, that's on Netflix. It is a action comedy, kung fu, hilarity movie, uh, and it's wonderful. And I it's have... easily one of the best ever made. So I don't know how this yes. will make a shelf boy. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I saw this in theaters in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Mind oh wow! You, in two thousand five, like the fact that this came to Downingtown in two thousand five just shows you kind of how big it was. It is a I'm not going to say anything because, you know, we're going to discuss it next week. Yeah. So that is Kung Fu Hustle on Netflix. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can go to our website, KeystoneFilmReview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. On Letterboxd, I'm Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we watch Kung Fu Hustle. Goodbye, everybody. Aww. It's racist. It is actually. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>